There we are. Hello, everybody. My name is Luke. I'll take my mask off one second. That'd be weird. Oh, my mask breaks. Unreliable things. All right. My name is Luke. I'm an apprentice pastor here at Willow Park. I'm usually at 33, but if you don't know me, I was here. I'm Pastor Glenn and Sarah's son, um, and I was here for since they got here in 2011, so I haven't been back here for a couple months, so it's nice to see everybody who I have seen before, some new faces. This is awesome. And as you guys kind of prepare to, to join us at 33, it'll be nice to see everybody and see you guys regularly worship together. We've been saying we're just so excited for everybody to get together and for it to be really a family. Like the church in Kelowna is one, and that's amazing. We need to pray for unity among the churches here. And this is just one of the things that brings unity, is two churches coming together, worshiping the same God. So I'm really excited about it. Hope you guys are too. I hope I see you there. Hope that you come. I know during the summer it's hard. Nobody really wants to come to church, but I'll be there because it's my job. So you guys better be there too. So we... Uh, we talked about, we're in the series of David. David is an incredible character in the Old Testament Bible. And last week, Nick spoke on David the fugitive. And this week, I'm speaking on David the king. And I just want to preface it with, we're not actually going to be focusing on David so much when he was king. More about what did God do through David, and what does David being king represent, if that makes sense. So before we go anywhere, I'm going to pray we're going to get our hearts just ready to receive the Lord's word. And uh, yeah, it's going to be really good. So let me pray. Yeah, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just, yeah, thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're with us right now. Lord, I pray, as Holy Spirit, open our eyes as we read your word, as we learn together. I pray that you would just, yeah. Ready our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. Your Holy Spirit will speak if we listen. So I pray that you would just speak to us. Lord Jesus, fill us with your love. We, are, we, we love you so much. Thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we just read that uh, big passage. Sorry, Aaron, you have to read. That was so long. Um, but basically, this is what happens. So we're going to kind of work our way through this passage together. So David is anointed king, and he decides he wants to make Jerusalem the capital of uh, Israel. So he brings the Ark of the Lord in there, and then when the Ark of the Lord is, that's the story when he's like dancing and leaping, making himself undignified, you know, that one song that we all learned as kids, you know. He's just so excited, and he's like, God, I want to build you a house. You live in a tent. I live in a house of cedar. But you and your presence in the ark, I want, to, I want to build you a house. And so he says this to Nathan. Nathan's like, do it. That sounds like a great idea. But then God actually speaks to Nathan that night, as we read. And God doesn't want David to build him a house. He says, he's, he's like, I haven't told anybody else to build me a house. I haven't told you to build me a house. Don't build me a house, is basically what, Jesus, what God is saying. And even though David's heart was right, even though he wanted to honor the Lord and to glorify him, he had to submit that it wasn't actually the Lord's plan. And this is just something really quick right off the bat that we can learn, is that even in the times where we feel like we're humbly seeking the Lord, we're asking for his blessing and his favor over stuff, there are times where God's just going to say no. There are times where his plan isn't going to be what we expect or what we want it to be. And that's okay. 
His plan is always better than ours. His ways are always higher than ours. And we just have to surrender. So after God says that to, uh, to Nathan, speaking through Nathan to David, it's, God reminds David of three things. In verse 7, he reminds him that I took you from the pasture, that you should be prince over my people Israel. God's saying, I called you, David. I called you. I brought you from where you were to where you are today. And then God says, I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. God's saying, I've taken care of you. I've delivered you. I've been with you. I've been there. I've been here with you the whole time. I've been faithful to you. And then he says, I will make, or some translations say, I have made. I have made for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. So God is saying, David, look at all that I've done for you. I've been faithful to you. I've called you. Where you are right now, I've placed you there. I have been with you. I've delivered you from all of your enemies. God is saying, I've been faithful. I will always be faithful. It's like he's, he's prefacing what he's about to say with, just before we go anywhere, look back. Look back at, what, at who I've been to you. You can trust me. My word is true. I will be faithful to you because I have been faithful to you. And this is so true of our lives today. We need to remember the faithfulness of God in our lives. The times where we've just been so like confused and, and during COVID, everybody has had a time where they're just like, what is happening next? But when we look back, God's been with us the whole time. He's been faithful and he'll be faithful to the end. We can trust him because his word is true. His word never fails. Nothing that the Lord says will return void. Basically, everything he says, he does. All his promises are true. We can trust him, and that's amazing. So after God kind of reminds David, like, David, hey, you can trust me. Remember this. I've been faithful. I will be faithful. You can trust me with what I'm going to say, that I'm going to bring this to completion. God says to David in verse 11, just like we read, says, the Lord declares to you, that the Lord will make you a house. A house meaning a dynasty or like a long-lasting lineage. God is saying to David, David, I love your heart. I love that you want to honor me and glorify me and make my name great. But actually, I want to build you a house. I'm not worried about living in a tent. I've lived in a tent for the past however many years. I'm going to build you a house. So what does this mean? Why is this, why is this important? And the answer is in verse 16. It says this. And I'm sorry that we don't have slides. I forgot. <laughs> so it's just the old-fashioned way. You're just going to have to listen really hard. You know, just, yeah, thanks. Remember every single word that I say, please. In verse 16, it says this. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. I'm going to repeat that. God says to David, your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So what God's doing here is he's actually making a covenant or a promise with David. And God did this a few times in the Old Testament. But one of the key ones, the first one, 
Well, after Noah, the first big one, God makes covenant with Abraham. And so here, God's actually passing on this covenant promise to David. In Genesis 12, God says this to Abraham. He says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you, make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And here is the key part, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And this is referring to the future savior of the world. The one in whom God, as soon as humans sinned and and made a mistake, God put a plan of redemption into motion. And this is God saying to David, this plan is still happening. This promise that I made is still coming true, and it's going to come through you. I will build you a house. And God's telling David that this Savior, this one in whom all the families of the earth will be blessed, this Savior is actually going to be a king. It's going to be a king who reigns forever, a king whose throne doesn't end a king whose dominion doesn't cease, this great blessing. And this is Jesus. This is Jesus. Jesus is the king of the world. Jesus is the king of all the earth, the one whose throne never ends, whose kingdom doesn't cease. It's Jesus. Jesus is the king of all kings. After God says this to David. David freaks out. He's like, who am I, Lord, that you would be faithful to me? And he just praises the Lord and worships him. So what does this mean that Jesus is the king of the world? This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time, just kind of analyzing this. What does this mean for us today? When I think of kings and queens, I think of either Queen Elizabeth, who's just kind of like a sweet little grandma, you know, everybody would want to have like a cup of tea with her. It's not disrespectful to say that, I don't think. Everybody loves her, you know, she's a great lady, I'm sure. But I think of her, and then I think of the kings and queens of old who were just like ruthless, terrible, domineering people who just kind of like laid waste to other cities and countries and just awful. So that's what I think of when I think of kings and queens. It doesn't really make too much sense to me. And on a daily basis, we're not all that concerned with kings or queens. I don't remember the last time you thought, like, oh, yeah, I need to, like, surrender to my queen, Elizabeth. Probably, probably not. It's not too much of a thing for us right now. So what does it mean that Jesus is our king? Basically, king and queen means a ruler. A ruler over a state, over a people, over a place. What they do determines the actions and the behaviors of their people. And that's a key phrase. So if you're going to remember anything, remember this is one of the things that you should remember, that a ruler determines and guides the behaviors and actions of their people. And I think if we look at our culture, we don't, again, we don't have that as a person, maybe. We could look at politicians, maybe. But... I think it just looks different. I think we're just ruled by other things. I think we're ruled by our phones, for one. I think that's that's true for me. I looked up a stat, and this is crazy. On average, we check our phones 344 times a day. 
like on average. So some of you guys are probably like in the 700s. Some of you guys are probably in the fives, tens. But on average, 344 times a day, we check these things. I've been doing a little study. I've been kind of sneakily, creepily watching people as they drive to see how many people are on their phones. And this is one of those times where it's like, I know I have a log in my own eye, but I'm just going to look at the spec in yours for a second, okay? We, I've been looking at these people driving, and it's like, and I've been sitting at red lights, and I've just been watching. As they drive past, so many people are on their phones. It's insane. First of all, safety. Come on. Second of all, we can't just look away from these things for like the five-minute drive that we have to work. It's like, literally the guy behind me on my way to church this morning, I think this was a blessing from the Lord. He was on his phone. I was like, I know this is true. This is what everybody does. And I've done it sometimes too, forgive me. But this is, we are just so dependent on these things. I'm so dependent on it. And it determines how I'm feeling, how I'm acting. If I check my phone 344 times a day, guaranteed that what I'm checking it for and what I'm looking at is affecting how I'm feeling, it's affecting what I'm doing, it's affecting where I'm going, it's affecting my thoughts and my feelings and my emotions and beliefs. We need to be really, really careful. And so I've actually, this is just another aside, I've taken a bunch of stuff off my phone so I can just, like, things like even my email, my work email, I'm like, if I'm going to check an email, I'm going to check it on my laptop. I've taken off Google and Google Chrome and YouTube, all these things that I just felt I was spending way too much time on. And that was actually just taking away, like, my peace and my joy and my life. And I just took them off. And since then, I've, I've felt way better. I've also felt like I'm able to concentrate on just one thing rather than I was, there was this one time I was watching a documentary. And I was, as I was watching this documentary, I was, like, searching for something about sports, and then on my laptop, I had like another YouTube video going. I was like, this is not okay. This needs to stop. It's way too much information coming in and affecting me right now. And I'm ruled by it, and maybe we are ruled by it. I think a phone is a big one. I think another thing is, it's, what, it's wherever re really we're just being influenced from the most. Is it our phones? Is it a politician? Is it politics in general? Is it news? Is it money? Is it career? These things that aren't bad. These things that are good and are helpful and nice to have in smaller quantities. Are we making them the things that influence us most? And these things, these things that guide our actions and our behavior, that, that kind of idea of having something to guide us is natural for us. We need something to guide us. We are people who long for meaning and purpose. And we're just always looking for something to fulfill that, to give us that meaning, that purpose, that life that we're looking for. So we look for it in our phones, we look for it in our politics, whatever it is. But the thing is that none of these things are good enough for us. None of those things are good enough for you. You need more. You need better. Because when we focus on those things, when we lean on those things so much... I'm sure, I, I'm, I'm positive that what we feel is less peace, less joy, more worry, more stress, more fear, more uncertainty, and more just trying to figure things out and fix things ourselves. 
I don't need you guys to raise your hands. I'm pretty sure that's how just our world works right now. It's just a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry, a lot of fear, and not a lot of peace, not a lot of joy, not a lot of life. What we are leaning on is not good enough. We need something better. We need a better ruler, a better meaning, and a better purpose. And Jesus is that better ruler. He's that better king of your life. He's the better meaning. He's the best meaning. Jesus is the king. It says that in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Not just a little bit, not just, you know, you don't feel, it's like fullness of joy. He's a king who gives lasting peace. He's a king who provides rest for our souls. He's a king who comforts us when we're brokenhearted. A king who strengthens us when we're weak. A king whose word drives out darkness. A king who created the stars and the galaxies with his word. A king who has defeated death and sin. And a king who loves us with an incredible soul-satisfying love. That's what we need. We need so much better than a piece of technology. We need so much better than just another flawed person. We need Jesus, the perfect King of Kings and Prince of Peace, ruling our lives. Only He is worthy of being the King of your life. Only Him. And I think we all know this. We all know this to be true. We know that in His presence there is life and fullness of joy. But this is, this is really interesting. Even though we need Jesus to be the king of our lives, and even though he is the king of all the earth, whether we like it or not, whether we recognize it or not, he will not force himself upon you. We have to make the choice. We have to make the choice. We have to ask the question, do I want Jesus as the king of my life? Do I want it? Will I recognize him as the king of my life? Because until we do that, nothing's going to change. That peace that you're looking for won't come. That love and that joy and that fulfillment and meaning that you're looking for won't come. That emptiness you're feeling inside, that we all feel, that I feel outside of Jesus, it will not be filled. We need to make the choice. And this is hard for us. We don't often, about our phones and about all this stuff, we didn't make a conscious choice, I think. I didn't make a choice to look at my phone 344 times a day and be ruled by it. It just kind of happened. But with Jesus, we make the choice. With Jesus, we set a line in the sand and we go, okay, it's you. You're the king of my life. You're the king of my life. We are making a choice. And that choice is choosing to follow him. We are making a choice to follow him. Jesus calls his followers to imitate him and do all that he did. That's what it means to be a disciple or an apprentice of Jesus. When we say, I've given my life to Jesus, I'm following him, it means just doing what he did and going where he went. It's really all it means, imitating him and being with him in that. And so there's three different things I thought of, like following us, like following him. What does it mean? What does it look like in our lives? And it looks like, looks like these three things. So following him means living a life in God's presence by the power of the Holy Spirit 
that's within us. Living a life in God's presence by the power of the Holy Spirit. This means going back to our, our rhythm series, if you guys remember that, a month ago, a few weeks ago, where it's we spend time with God quietly. We read his word. We spend time in prayer. We spend time listening to his voice. And this is really, really cool. For the longest time, I kind of felt that the best, the best way, this is true, the best way to hear God's voice is to read the Bible. But the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He speaks to us. And we, we interpret it through the Bible and we make sure it makes sense through the Bible. But he actually gives us words and he gives us encouragement. And this isn't like a, a different kind of Christianity. This is what Christianity has been from the start. It's having a relationship with God. We talk with God and he talks with us. And that's been really encouraging for me. Because I hear other, these other Christians, they say, I think I've heard the Lord say to me, I should do this, or I, or I needed to hear this, or God told me that he loved me the other day. And I've tried to press into that, and it's been amazing. So I just want to encourage you, when we spend time in God's word, that he actually speaks to you. And when we spend time quietly praying, God speaks with you. We have access into his heart and his mind. Like, that's amazing. So I encourage you. But following him means being, spending time with him, taking a Sabbath day to rest and slow down. It means um, being generous and selfless with our money. It means living in community with other followers of Jesus, listening to them and learning from them. Following him means doing what he did and serving people. Jesus served the lowest people in society. He mended the broken. He spent time with the sick. He had dinner with those who society just cast off. He comforted the brokenhearted, and he loved those who hated him. By the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what we get to do now. We get to go and do what he did. We get to serve like he served us. And following him means going and making disciples. It means sharing the, the news of what God has done in your life with other people. If God is the best news and Jesus is the best news in the world, then we must go. Jesus says, go and make disciples. There's this incredible story about Jesus meeting a man named Legion who was full of demons. And Jesus went up to him and he freed him of these demons. And then this guy named Legion he says to Jesus, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to go where you're going. Like physically, he wanted to follow him. And Jesus is like, no, stay and share your story with the people in your city so that they can see what God has done through you. And I think that's true for us today. Is that we have people in our lives that we can share the good news of what God has done. Before Jesus felt no peace, felt no joy, felt emptiness and longing. After Jesus, I'm peaceful, I'm joyful, my life is changed, I have purpose and meaning. And people will see that. And as you share your stories with people in your workplace, in your families, as you do this, God's going to move through that. Because there's nothing, I don't think there's a lot of things more powerful than just us sharing our story. When we can say from a place of authenticity, this is what God has done in my life, People respond to that. They do. When they hear this person who, say you talk to somebody, they know that you love them. 
and they see the impact that God has made on your life. And that will intrigue them. The Holy Spirit will move through that. He really will. So following him, living a life in God's presence, doing what he did, and going and making disciples. Basically, we're saying, God, your ways are so much better than mine. Living a life in your presence is so much better than living outside of it. Your ways and how you did things, Jesus, is so much better. Psalm 16, verse 11 is the verse that sums it up the best for me. It says, For you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So I can follow the world. I can fall. I can do what the world does. And I will feel no peace. I won't feel lasting joy. I won't have meaning and purpose. I'll feel empty. Or I can follow Jesus, the king of all the world who loves us more than anything. I can follow him and I can experience freedom from shame and guilt. I can experience peace, lasting peace. I can experience fullness of joy, abundant life living waters. I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. Every other king in this world falls short. Every other ruler of our lives doesn't, it isn't good enough for us. I want to follow Jesus. Jesus is the king who will never fall short. It's him, it says in Isaiah 9 verse 7, it says, of the greatness of of Jesus' government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Jesus is the king who is worthy of being the king of your life. Nothing else is good enough. As we've already prayed about, the situation in Russia and Ukraine is just heartbreaking. Like it's, when I first read about it, it was like, I couldn't even wrap my head around it. I have no idea what they're experiencing right now, people in Ukraine. They must be so scared and so worried. Seeing these stories of, of husbands who have brought their families to the borders so that they could flee, and then the husbands run back in to go and fight and defend their country. Like it's crazy. And as I read that, I think it was more—I think it was more than a coincidence that we're talking about kings and rulers. The kings of this world fall so far short, and yes, we fall short too. It's just a reminder that this world is so broken. This world is so full of sin and hurt and pain, brokenness, and we need something better. We need something better. And the only thing, the only person who can change that is Jesus. This world is so full, and I see it in my own heart, and so I'm just preaching to myself here. I know that I am a sinful person. I know that I am unkind, unloving, judgmental, proud, all these things that make me a terrible person. <laughs> I know that about myself. But Jesus has given me a new heart. 
And by his grace and his Holy Spirit in me, he's making me to be a kind person. He's making me to be a loving person, a joyful person, a non-judgmental person. And that new heart is the key. And that's happening in so many of us. The continual transforming of our hearts and minds into becoming like Christ. That's the Holy Spirit. And that new heart is what's going to change and redeem this world. And that's it. And that's why people need to know this so desperately. It's because we have these countries and we have these places and people who are doing so much damage. We need Jesus to come and change everything. And only by his grace will anything change. We can't just be more kind and be more loving and be more peaceful and more agreeable with each other. We need our hearts to change. In order to become kind people, in order to become loving people, we need a better king to lead us and to change our hearts. We need him to redeem our brokenness. We need him to give out justice. And we need to follow him. We need to do what he did. That he comforted the brokenhearted. That's what we need to do. He blessed the poor. And that's what we need to do. He looked out for the lowest and spent time with the least. That's what we need to do. We need Jesus. This world needs Jesus. And we just have to say yes to him. We have to say yes to following him. And that changes everything. I think this is, it sounds like a really, it sounds like it is a, it's a very important, very intense message that Jesus gives us. He says, follow me and take up your cross Die to yourself. But then he says, and I will give you rest. I will give you a new heart. I will fill you with a joy that you have never experienced, with a peace and a love that you've never experienced. And I will save others using you. So when we surrender to him, when we follow him, everything changes for the better. And that's what's going to change this world. And that's the most exciting thing I, I know that this truth of Jesus living inside of us can change hearts and can redeem broken situations and that God can move in places like the Ukraine where they need him to move. It's the most incredible message in the world. So maybe this is the first time that you've heard of Jesus, maybe the first time you're interested in Jesus, or maybe you're not that interested. I don't know. But if this is, and you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, can I just encourage you? Jesus loves you so much. He gave his life up on the cross. And he rose again so that you could be forgiven from your sin, free from your shame, from your guilt. That you could have a relationship with the God who made you. So that you could be given a new heart. He loves you that much. He laid his life down for you. And this way of life is so much better. Following Jesus is so much better than anything the world can offer. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He's been with you through all of the stuff in your life, whatever that is. He's been with you. He's never left you, and he loves you. 
And this is the time to say yes to following him. This is the time to ask for forgiveness of your sin, to believe in Jesus and follow him. Christianity is so much more than just saying yes and not doing anything. Christianity and following Jesus is saying yes to Jesus and then changing your whole life around him. It's doing what he did, going where he went, and being given a new heart, becoming like him. It's a transformational belief, a transformational faith, and that's the best thing in the world. I and so many people here will tell you that that is the best decision you can ever make in your whole life and eternity to be in God's presence forever. So I encourage you to follow him. And for those who already do follow him, that's amazing. Keep following him. Rededicate yourself to following Jesus the King. Remind yourself of all that he's done for you in the past. Remind yourself how faithful he's been to you. And he will be faithful forevermore. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he will never leave you or forsake you. So when you are going and you're following him and you're doing what he did and you're filled with the Spirit, you're sharing your story with people, he's with you. He's with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. So as the worship team comes up, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm just going to read a couple of short verses over us, and then I'm going to pray. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to to speak through His Word. The first verse is this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The next verse is, I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So Heavenly Father, we just come before you now. We praise you that you are the king of the world. You are the king who fulfills our heart's longings and desires. You are the king who saved us and loved us more than anything. God, whose joy is our strength. You are amazing. We praise your name. And God, for those of us who, who don't know you this morning, I just pray that you would speak to them clearly, God. I pray that they would know your love for them and that they'd know and have a glimpse into what life with you is like. That there is purpose and joy and meaning. Lord Jesus, I pray for those of us who do know you, God, that that we would just dedicate ourselves every single morning to take up our cross, to die to ourselves, and to follow you, to listen to you and where you lead us and where you guide us, God. Lord, that you'd forgive us of all of our sin, all of our pride. You'd humble us as we follow you. You'd make us more like you. 
God, and just again, that you'd come, bless the Ukraine, keep people safe there. Would your justice reign, God? Would that place be a place of peace and life and joy, filled with your presence? Do you comfort the brokenhearted? Lord Jesus, and in this city where there is so much brokenness and pain and people longing for meaning, God, come speak through your people as we share our stories. Would you give us opportunity and would you give us favor, God, that people would be changed by your Holy Spirit moving through us. We desperately need you. Apart from you, we can do nothing. So Lord Jesus, come. We love you. We praise you. And as we worship now, we just ask God, just help us. We ask for your help, for your Holy Spirit to fill us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And before...